All right, everyone. Happy Labor Day. Happy Labor Day. And welcome back to... The Chiss Ascendancy. Today is episode 33. 33. That's right. The big three three. I like the little at the end of that sound. Yeah, thank you. That took a lot of work for me to do. It's episode 33. Today we're talking about Star Wars zombies. Star Wars zombies. But before we get too far ahead of ourselves, we have to make amends. Yep. We have to make something wrong right. There's your seismic charge effect. You're welcome. The greatest sound in Star Wars, episode two, Jango Fett is on the way to Geonosis being chased by Obi-Wan Kenobi. And out of that beautiful Slave One ship, he drops a seismic charge. Let's hear that again, Samuel. Yeah, there it is. Easily the coolest noise in Star Wars. Easily the coolest noise in Star Wars. So we wanted to make that right from last week's Best Pilots in Star Wars episode. We didn't have it on hand. So we apologize. Please forgive us. Uh, so before we get started, we have a little newsy news. Yeah, let's get it. Um, so uh, first things first. It's Thrawn, here. It's here, everybody. Ascendancy, part one of the Ascendancy trilogy. Book one is called Chaos Rising. Um, and the cool features. Uh, so, obviously, I pre-ordered a version for myself and for Samuel. Uh, so, it was a birthday present for Samuel. And so, the first edition actually has these blue-tipped pages. And so, when they re-release this later on, or paperback or whatever, won't have these blue-tipped pages and accents... Um, and the different, also like the way that the pages look between, uh, the story happening currently mm -hmm. in the book are these regular blue, just lined pages. And then there are chapters in the book called memories. So you switch back and forth between memories yeah. and then just like chapter one, memories, one chapter, one memories, two chapter two. Yeah, it's a very cool way to differentiate between past and present without, right. uh, establishing a timeline every single chapter. Right. So memories. And uh, they have the extra little black fanning on the outside. Very, very cool. Um, you get a really cool... Um, oh, tell them what else is unique about this book. You get a cool little picture of... It's like a negative space art drawing of Thrawn there. Uh, really cool. And then first ever that I know of, on the back of the cover of, of many Star Wars books, and at some point in the intro, it always says, a long time ago, in a galaxy, galaxy far, far, far away. away which is what is in the opening crawl of every Star Wars saga film. And if Mark Thompson's um, reading it, he says, in a galaxy far, far away. Yeah. So this is really cool. So um, Timothy Zahn wrote this, and they put it on the beginning of the book, but also on the back cover, back mm -hmm. sleeve. It says, a long time ago, beyond a galaxy far, far away. Very cool. And so it's very neat that you are... Um, you're being transported beyond the Star Wars galaxy. We're in the unknown regions. Yeah, very cool. Um, talking about Thrawn and the Chiss Ascendancy. And, um, same was a little bit further than me, but it's it's really good so far. Yeah. And, Hopefully we uh, get to talk about it You know, either next week or the week after, depending on one how much of the time cool, we have to One finish. of the really cool things about books for me is I love the, like, the Dramatis persona, you know, where you get to see who else is going to be in there. This one's um, very brief. But this one has a Dramatis persona, but it also has... The Chiss Ascendancy and gives you a little bit of mm -hmm. here's classes, here's so they have nine ruling families, and then it says Chiss family ranks. So within the family, there's ranks. I don't want to get into that because some of these are kind of spoilers yeah. for the beginning of the book. And then political hierarchy. And so it just gives you kind of a look into yeah. how the Chiss run things. 
Um, and one of the cool things is at the very beginning intro, it's in the prologue, and it says they're... Their um, neighbors live in peace. Their enemies live in ruin. It's the Chisicinensi. Something yeah, like that. Very cool. Talking about us. Chisicinensi podcast. So, uh, Thrawn has hit shelves. If you haven't yet, get your copy. It's also available on Audible. At some point, we'll be sponsored, and I'll put you a link in the description section. That's not this week. <laughs> um, and then, secondly, you want to cover this one? It's on your paper. Oh. Yes, I'll do it. <laughs> uh, so, you may or may not remember, we talked about the High Republic a while uh, back. A while ago. Mm-hmm. You know, pretty much right after it first dropped and when the news was still hot. Uh, and we were thinking, you know, timeline wise, and we knew it was, what, 400 years ish before Something like that. Phantom Menace. And I was like, well, Yoda would have only been, you know, 350 or so years old. Right. I wonder if he's going to be in it. And lo and behold, he is. This last week, they dropped some concept art of younger Yoda, mm-hmm. and it's sick. He looks spry, and uh, the description... He is a fiddle. He has no yeah. hammer stick. There's no, there's no cane. There's no, you know, little help from the walking stick. He's got his fancy golden robes. Yeah, so the, the concept art, I'm sure we'll put it in the video, but uh, it has two styles of clothes from Yoda. Mm-hmm. You have the... Um, the darker robes, which is kind of what he wears underneath uh, his robes during like episode two and three when he's fighting mm-hmm. uh, Dooku and Sidious, um, but he has like the High Republic kind of, um, kind of the if you look up the High Republic novelization by Charles Soule that's coming out, they have that linen with the gold trim, yeah, the gold very fancy, silk. kind of like a like a medieval knight kind of look, like a family crest style, like mm-hmm. very, very fancy ceremonial robes, and they have a picture of him in those as well, yeah. and he looks dope. It's very cool. Um, the description that I read was that he is a journeyman during this time, which is so cool because he's, he sticks so close to home base yeah. well, for all of the movies. Yeah, you kind of have to as the Grandmaster. Right. And so, uh, very cool. And then, finally, Newsy. Um, oh, finally. Good God. Mandalorian Season 2. The trailer did not drop yet still. Um, 15 but, years too late. Uh, but we have a date. So, October the 30th, the day before Halloween, will be Mandalorian Season 2. Um, I believe that's All Saints Day. Ah, uh, yes. It's dropping on Disney+. And so, uh, that'll be... Is that All Saints uh, Day? I don't know. Look it up. Pretty sure. But that'll be, uh, obviously, I still believe that they're going to do one episode a week. And so oh, it'll be mind. really neat. It's after Halloween. Oh, there you go. Yeah. That would make more sense. Yeah. Get your things right after your craziness on Halloween. Hallow's Eve. Eve. Yeah. Uh, so Mandalorian Season 2, October 30th. So if you cancel your Disney Plus after the last season of Mandalorian, now's the time to renew. And I do expect a trailer in the very near future because they want to get people back on board. Um, and since Disney owns like every TV station under the sun, I assume that they'll put it on somewhere. Second round of the playoffs and the NBA is going on. And so they have all these games. The apple cider. They have all these games that they can use on either ABC or ESPN. Um, so that's our news. But I have something else. Do it. Oh, October 30th is yes. National Candy Corn Day. Ah, so get your candy corn. And then celebrate. And if you're a white chick, get your, what is, what's the latte they get at Starbucks? Pumpkin spice? I don't uh, know. It's not candy corn. 
and then sit on your couch and snuggle up for some Mandalorian season Doesn't two. Doesn't it feel like uh, candy corn should be like little chocolate unicorns? I never did think of unicorns before, but now I, I shall. Yes. I only thought about it when you brought up Starbucks because they have that unicorn drink. Oh, okay. I like candy corn. Do you like candy corn? I do like candy corn. It's a controversial opinion. A lot of people don't like it. I don't know why. It's delicious. Yeah, and the bites are small enough that it's not overpowering. It's a very strong flavor. Now, when you get the candy corn mixed bag and you have the pumpkins that are the same flavor as candy corn, sometimes that's a bit much because it's, it's, it's too much. Yeah, you know? it's like a slightly sweeter and somehow smaller like butterscotch type flavor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I like it. Uh, before we get started, today is Samuel's birthday. Yeah. So wish him a happy birthday. I have a gift. I didn't tell him about this. I thought you already got me a gift. I did, but I got you another gift. What is this? All right. First, a Stego. Your very own Stego. Did you Stego? get you one for yourself? Uh, well, I purchased yours during the fast, and I purchased mine after the fast, so it's coming in. <laughs> Dude, we played disc golf quite a bit, so I'm gonna examine this more more fully later. But I'm excited. I uh, Josiah likes. Never mind. We won't get into it. That'll take me forever to explain. It's a certain type of disc that really favors my style of play. Yeah. But I wanted to see but what I don't you have, about it. I don't have such a utility disc in my bag. Also. Wow, what a year. First edition hardcover. My favorite book. The best. It's my it's my all-time favorite The Star greatest Wars Star Wars book of all time. Star Wars, Darth Bane, Path of Destruction. Took a little hunting, but here's a first oh edition God. for you. In mint wow. condition, pretty much. Dude, this is incredible. And so, there you go. Wow. So, happy birthday. Thank you. It's Labor Day for all you guys out there. We're all celebrating. We're all celebrating. And so, we're going to get into this. Drew Carpishan may be the best Legends writer ever. Yeah. Now that I, Timothy Zahn's I, back I, into canon. Yeah. But uh, Joe Schreiber's up there for me. Yeah, Joe Schreiber's up there. And Josiah asked me, we're going to talk about some of Joe's books here. Or at least one, I don't know. What, did he write the other one? Do you yeah. write Death Troopers? Yep. Okay. So, so he, we're going to get into it. He asked me what I graded these books, and my A-plus ranking is Drew. Yep, there you go. survive yeah did you ever hear the uh, cake version of that song no that's pretty all right is that a band cake yeah oh nope haven't heard it <laughs> big long ears like this, this damn never, never seen him uh so today we're talking about star wars zombies and uh we're specifically talking about the zombies from uh the two books death troopers and red mm -hmm. harvest by the fantastic author Joe Schreiber, Joe, Joe if you're Schreiber. watching this, we love you. Yeah. Um, also, little side, this isn't really that important, but uh, Joe has a thing where he'll reference uh, a band he likes or a song he likes, 
yeah. and make it a chapter title. There's a quote that he does specifically in Red Harvest. We'll get into in a little bit, and uh, I'll give you two seconds, like Dora the Explorer, to tell me if you recognize it. Um, but there's a couple of other things that in Star Wars, I guess, could count as zombies from mm -hmm. the canon, from the Clone Wars. Um, yeah, in a way. Specifically. For sure. And uh, the, the reason these don't count, I'll break them down. Um, but uh, the Night Sisters, which if you're more of a casual fan, uh, the Night Sisters, uh, Darth Maul's mother, As, Mother yeah, Talzin. Is, is, is he? Yeah, that's her son. I did not know that. Yeah. Crazy. Sidious was going to take Mother Talzin as his apprentice, but took Maul instead, and that's why she has. That's why she's mad at him. Dang, that's so crazy. Because I was, I I guess in my mind, I'm just thinking in Plagueis where the mother Maul's mom mm -hmm. hides Maul with Sidious to keep him out of Mother Talzin's hands. Yeah, that's not how it happens in canon. I know, but that's just so different. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. That they would keep that same character and then completely... So, anyway. In, in canon, my the timeline, my understanding is, I think while Plagueis is still alive, if that timeline still holds up, that's kind of open right now as mm -hmm. far as canon goes. Uh, but Talzin meets with Palpatine, and of course she's got the more magic side of things, and he's just pure dark side. Yeah. And so he promises her to take her on, but something about Maul, he appreciates more. And I think part of it is the... He's still much more pliable mentally because mm -hmm. he's he's so young, and he actually takes Maul and betrays Talzin. He steals Maul, mm. but he's too powerful for Talzin to go after him. It's interesting that after all of that, Mother Talzin would still deal with Count Dooku. Yeah, well, I think the thing was she gave him Savage because I think the idea was maybe him and Savage would overthrow Sidious. Right. But anyways... Well, I guess Savage was actually an underhand dealing with... Uh, Ventress. Ventress, but I'm more talking about how... Well, I guess, never mind. Yeah. I retract. So, uh, the Night Sisters. So, Darth Maul's mom, she's the leader of a group called the Night Sisters, and they are witches, basically. Um, and so, they're Force-sensitive, but they do a lot of, like, rituals and stuff like that. Yeah, they're more the... Uh, the ma There's a dark side magic. Right. You know, that's not necessarily dark side Force-using... Mm -hmm. Right. Strictly speaking. And really, her Aventress is, I guess, semi-powerful, but Talzin's really the only one that kind of stands a cut above the rest as far as her ability. Mm -hmm. And you see her do some cool stuff. Like, yeah. she'll teleport away or well, she'll in, um, you know, do force visions. Like There's a comic that we could review Jedi. someday called uh, Son of Dathomir, mm -hmm. which is Darth Maul's comic. It's, it's from Clone Wars episodes that were never made. Yeah. And uh, they use magic to take over Dooku. Interesting. Mm -hmm. I know they did some, like, voodoo stuff when... Yeah, so everything was going um, on in the Clone Wars. In in that vein, um, there are dead Night Sisters that have passed away that they use magic to control them and yeah, attack, reanimate their bodies. Yeah, Geonos or not Geonosians to attack battle droids and attack General Grievous and stuff. Mm -hmm. But the thing is, once they once Grievous finds out what's going on and who's commanding mm -hmm. these, it's really they're not the bodies themselves aren't reanimated. They're being reanimated through through magic. Right. You know what I mean? Right. And so Similar those don't really count to me. If you've read and or watched. Well, I guess if you've... Well, yeah, they're in the... If you've watched Harry Potter, the uh, Inferi are reanimated corpses. Hmm. But they don't have, like, a, a sentience to them, really, at all. Yeah, they don't really have a mind. Yeah, so in the uh, Half-Blood Prince, mm -hmm. you'll see them in the lake. Yep. 
Um, and then secondly, the Geonosians, if you don't know what a Geonosian is, in episode two, they're the bugs. They suck. They sound like that, basically. Like, almost like Perry the Platypus, I guess. Um, but they have uh, an episode in the Clone Wars where the Geonosians are brought back to life. But, again, these don't count in my mind because they are infested with what are called brain invader worms. Mm -hmm. And those worms are controlled by the hive mother. Yeah. So, again, there's one central source that takes over the whole group. And if you can kill her, you can deanimate all those bodies. Yeah. So to me, that's not a zombie. Like World War Z zombies, you can't just go and, you know, blow up the facility where that virus got out or whatever. Right. I think just a, a little bit of more of a reference, if anybody's ever read, uh, if you get towards the end of the Ender's Game or if you're somewhere in uh, Speaker for the Dead, you'll learn that the bugger species is a hive mind mm -hmm. and they're controlled by a queen yeah hive mind is a good and way I, to put it and i feel like maybe the writers for clone wars borrowed that because it's very similar in their physiology mm -hmm. and the idea that they're ruled by a hive mind right but they're both kind of based on like an insectoid you know right ant, which ant makes type. sense because geonosians are very buggy yeah. um so we're specifically talking about zombies specifically from the book red harvest mm -hmm. but the um the style is there is a virus that if you get infected, mm -hmm. you don't really have any kind of a goal. You're a, you're a typical zombie. You're just looking for flesh yeah. and you're looking to spread the virus. So the virus itself takes over the host, but you could kill one zombie or any zombie and the rest of them are still alive. There's not like a hive mind. There's not a right. control panel. And there's not one that you can kill that'll take down the rest. Right, right, exactly. Um, so... In the year 2009... Oh, another important thing is that it's not species-specific. <clears throat> right. Because there are, if you don't want to know, cover your ears, tauntauns mm -hmm. uh, that get infected with the, yep. the virus and some other miscellaneous species we'll get into. Right. So 2009, uh, a book comes out called Death Troopers. And this was before Rogue One, so I'm not talking about the, the tall guys in the black armor with mm -hmm. their decoded uh, voices... Death Troopers was a book by Joe Schreiber, um, and so we'll put the graphic up for you to see more clearly. I hate that it has that stupid Legends banner across the top in the picture I found, but that was like the best high-quality version. Yeah. Um, but the cover of this is super cool. It's a uh, it's a Stormtrooper helmet, but you can tell that the head it's on a meat has hook. been decapitated because you can still like see like the flesh hanging out of the bottom of the helmet, and it's on a meat hook. Um and so I got this at a half price books, first edition. Wow. Yeah. 12 bucks. This was like a couple years ago. Um, but. It's in good condition. Yeah. And it was cool because the this book came out with the poster of this cover. So the cover oh, of the book cool. was a poster. So when you took the poster off to hang it on your wall, they had kind of like a turtle back style, like printed on hardcover. Um, and cool. the, the front obviously says Death Troopers. The back says no fate could be more terrifying than being trapped in deep space unless, there, unless there's something unknown out there with you. And uh, so the story is there's a prison barge, basically. Mm -hmm. um, I, can't, I think it's called The Purge, which is cool. That's before The Purge was a thing. Um, but it's called The Purge, and uh, they're carrying what's called the Blackwing Project. Um and the Blackwing Project is the virus, mm. and somehow, you know, the, the barge ends up breaking down, and they're dead in space. 
Um, and so, LOL. Uh, so they're dead in space. And when the virus gets out, all these people start getting infected. And so I don't want to, there's a couple of details that I, I can tell you off air, but I don't want to spoil it if somebody else wants to read or listen to it. Um, but it was really cool because that came out in 2009. And I don't know if they already planned to let Joe have a prequel to kind of explain the origin of the mm-hmm. virus. Um, but I remember when this book came out, it was very popular. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that would have been, you know, right around the time the whole zombie apocalypse, you know, that was really at its TV show. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. It was a, it was at an all-time high. It was at a craze. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so, uh, Red Harvest came out actually only a year later, 2010. Um, so the hardcover is, uh, it's got a Sith on there and there's like blood coming out of their mouth and it's just very, it's, uh, I was listening to a review to, to kind of get, I've read this book twice, but I wanted to get kind of a refresher and just see what other people thought. And they were mm-hmm. like, it was very scary and almost like a horror book. And I was like, <laughs> what did you What think? part of zombies did you not understand? Yeah. It's called Godzilla King of Monsters and you want more human element? I know. God. Um, some people, man. So Red Harvest. So this is kind of cool. I have the hardback version, but this is the science fiction book club version. And so back in the day, of course, it's probably been disintegrated now because of Disney and all that stuff. But um, Star Wars had a partnership with the Science Fiction Book Club, and you could buy books from them that only came in paperback, and they would come in this smaller hardback version. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's cool because if you open up the book, this is kind of nerdy, but whatever, we're already here. Uh, if you open up the book and you look, it doesn't have any um, printing reference numbers. Because this version only came through the Science Fiction Book Club. Very cool. So there would need to be a first or second edition or whatever. Um, and as you get into the book, you have the beautiful, beautiful Star Wars novels timeline before they canned it. I was about to say, that matters 0% now. I guess unless you really want to get into some Legends material. Um, but yeah, like, you have Lost Tribe of the Sith. And that's uh, 5,000 years before the events of Star Wars A New Hope. And then you fast forward to the fourth page... <laughs> And 43 years after Star Wars A New Hope, you have the Fate of the Jedi um, series, which I think I think there's one more book after that that got um, printed, but that's like very, very, very far in the future. I think it's the farthest we ever got as far as novelizations. Um, but we're specifically going to talk about Red Harvest today uh, because me and Sam have both read it and... Um, Samuel actually read it or listened to it very on Audible recently, very yeah. recently, and we were talking about it. Um, and so next week or the week after, we're definitely going to do a talk about Thrawn, but it was yeah. almost 400 pages, and we got it like two days ago. And so and we've been busy. Busy, busy, busy. Time of year for us. Um, and so let's talk a little bit about Red Harvest. Let's talk about it. And so Joe Schreiber comes out with this one in 2010. And it's interesting because the events of Death Troopers is, you know, six months to a year or something like that before the events of A New Hope. Mm-hmm. Um, but Red Harvest takes place 3,645 years before the yeah. events of A New Hope. And so yeah. um, can we talk about how their technology has not advanced at all in those 3,000 years if they already have, like, intergalactic travel? You know, and some actually canon books now talk about how somehow there used to be like more advanced space travel that was kind of lost yeah almost like in an atlantis type event but for the whole galaxy 
which I don't really understand how that works, but... Yeah, it's interesting also because you have the Chiss, not to get off track, but they have technology that people from the quote-unquote regular Star Wars universe are like, how does this work? Yeah, and like, I'm like, it's almost like an entirely new branch of science. I guess you can just get there by thinking how two completely isolated um, civilizations would approach science. Right. You know what I mean? Like that... Yeah, that's true. They have a definitely... Yeah. They have a... Well, and in those approaches are inherent... Uh, like presuppositions, things that would change the way you view it. You right, know? right. The way you approach it definitely changes the result. Exactly. Um, but yeah, so Death Troopers is one year, I just looked it up, one year before the Battle of Yavin. This one's 3,645 years before the Battle of Yavin. So can we talk about that for a second? Like how that goes how did... untouched, undiscovered? Yeah, so there's a formula. Basically what happens is uh, there's a Sith, okay? so And this particular virus was discovered some thousand years before the events of Red Harvest. Right. And it's being rediscovered right. by so the main what I was uh, gonna, antagonist. Right, right. So what I was going to say was, you have 3,600 years before. Yeah. Right? A thousand years before yeah, that. So let's just round up. Let's be really nice with numbers. We're going to say 5,000 BBY. Right. So 5,000 years before episode four, before you meet Luke and Han and Leia and Chewbacca yeah. and all those guys. At the height of the Sith Empire. Yeah. 5,000 years before... Um, Basically, the way the galaxy was is that the Sith were powerful enough that the Jedi couldn't just get rid of them, and mm -hmm. the Jedi were powerful enough that the Sith just couldn't get rid of them. So you had the Republic, the Old Republic, um, but at the time I'm sure it was just called the Republic, duh. And then you had the Sith Empire, and so they were kind of coexisting. You know what's interesting is that uh, in A New Hope, when they're meeting on the Death Star, mm -hmm. uh, Tarkin says the remnants of the Old Republic are gone. Yeah. So he calls, yeah, they call it the Republic 20 years later. Yeah. They're just hasty to move on, those guys. Yeah. Um, so you have a Sith Lord named Darth Dreer. And Darth Dreer, not to be confused with Greer, that's our name. <laughs> um, but Darth Dreer has a desire for eternal life, immortality. I mean, who doesn't? And, uh, yeah, and I think the truth is that we know that the Jedi, they're, they're based on peace. Their whole thing is there is no emotion, there is peace. That's the very beginning of their mantra. Mm -hmm. And so even before Qui-Gon and the Wills start to unpack the cosmic force and explain to Obi-Wan and Yoda, who tells Luke, who tells you know everybody else, that once you die in the force, like you're not just gone. Yeah. You know, there's another existence. Um, even before that, the Jedi have an understanding that they're at peace with where they are. As long mm -hmm. as you live in the will of the Force, then when it's your time, it's your time. And You know what I mean? Yeah. But the Sith don't have that promise. The Sith are hungry. The Sith, you know, they're, they're looking out for number one, and they don't trust anybody with their fate but themselves. Mm -hmm. And so because of that, there's that hunger. There's that, you know, it's kind of interesting because it's kind of based out of a fear of lack of control. Right, and even within the Sith Academies themselves, Almost all of the students are loners. There right. are very few, like if any, genuine friendships. Mm -hmm. You know, everybody's mistrustful yeah. Every of friendship else. is I'm gonna help you till I can stab you in the back. Yeah, you know, um, and that plays a huge part in Darth Bane's story as well because mm -hmm. he's like, you know what, screw this, I'm doing this myself. Um, so Darth Dreer creates a formula a thousand years before this book takes place, and um, the idea is. You have this formula, and there's a certain uh, flower um, called the... The Orakami Orchid. 
yeah, the Mura, yeah, Murakami. Murakami Orchid. And something in that orchid gives you the ability to, um, there's a virus that comes from this formula. Right. Which reanimates yep. your body, but it also destroys your flesh. Yeah, there's an, the idea of it is that this particular orchid is sentient within the force. Mm -hmm. So if somebody is strong enough in the force in this aspect, they can actually communicate and they the can orchid. create a, a life bond. Yeah. Legend Star Wars has some deep stuff mm -hmm. that we haven't even gotten close to touching in the new canon. Not yeah. that we won't, but, um, you know, 35 years in, yeah. this book comes out. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but basically, yeah. So there's, you know, back in the day, there were other things that, like I said, Han Solo was force aware. That, that term doesn't exist in right. today's canon. So this flower was strong in the force could communicate telepathically if you had a strong bond with it. And it created a virus that if you had a counterbalance to it, it could keep you, it would keep your mind and your consciousness alive forever, but it would destroy your body, so it would be pointless. Mm -hmm. And so you had to create the formula, but also somehow create a check within it, you know, have a, a separate formula or whatever that you can take that will keep your body your vitality going mm -hmm. so that your mind and your consciousness and your drive and your passion would live forever, yeah. but it doesn't destroy your body. And the interesting thing about this virus is that the virus itself seems to have a degree of sentience because it's a perverted form of the orchid. So it's uh, communicating to the people that it's taking over. Mm -hmm. You know, there's one particularly strong Sith apprentice who um, is lured into it. He, he offers himself up to the virus. Yeah, um, to to be taught, to be taught, so that he can become more powerful, mm -hmm. uh, which is pretty wild. Yeah, but the idea was that the virus was making him promises. You know what I mean? That once it's con once he was consumed, that he would have some something. Yeah, some kind um, of strength, some kind yeah. of, and I think the the goal is more. You know, power is the goal of the Sith. Always, yeah. And so the idea is, even if I don't inherently just get this new rush of power, to have unlimited time to gain strength and knowledge and wisdom and power right. is the idea. It's, you know, it's just as good. So Darth Dreer creates this formula, and as he's creating it, he's storing it in a, in a Sith holocron. You know, yeah. kind of, he's vlogging, <laughs> you know, his experiments. And then before he can realize, so this is just going to take over my mind, my body will be infected and i think that's why it's called a virus once it's taken place because they realize it's not just a formula you take it kind of like you said has a life of its own mm -hmm. and once it spreads you know just like a regular virus obviously it's 2020 we're going through this whole covid thing you know through spit through blood through Cover whatever eyes. It can get in through your eyes can't get in through your eyes um and so the idea is that they have to have some kind of a um What's the word I'm looking for? A cure, I guess, of some sort. Antidote. A vaccine, an antidote that allows the virus to affect your mind but not your body. And Darth Dreer realizes this too late and he actually dies. Yeah. Well, and he knows about it. Right. Yeah, but he's just unable to take right. the final step. It's kind of interesting because until you take the formula, until you basically make yourself sick. Crabs. Uh, the secret formula. The secret. Hand it over, crabs. Assert yourself, SpongeBob. Um, until you, you know, infect right. yourself with the... <laughs> until you take the heroin. 
had to get that in there. Uh, until you missed it last week. <laughs> until you uh, you know inject yourself with the virus, you don't know what the side effects are. And poor dreary, you know, he's like just leads a dreary existence. You know, eternal life. Inject myself in the throat, and then Oof. he's like. It's rotting my flesh. Where's my anti-flesh rot <laughs> vaccine? You know, they didn't create one. So uh, a thousand years later, there's a Sith Lord, Doth Scabrus. And so Pretty Scabrus, cool, yeah. Very Scabrus cool. is like the ultimate at that point. Mm -hmm. He's the leader. Um, I can't remember the, the planet they're on. I can't either. It's uh, but it's not unlike, uh, what's it compared to? Mygito. Yeah, it's an. Ice it's very planet. snowy, very icy. It's typical Sith trial by fire. If you're not living on lava, you're living on ice. It's it's so icy that uh, there are tauntauns involved. To give yeah. you, it's a benchmark. Mm -hmm. It's not quite Hoth, but it's close. Yes, exactly. Um, very similar to Hoth. And so, the there's a Sith um, academy there, and Scabrus is. He's the headmaster. He's essentially the headmaster, but he's also very removed from but, the day-to-day. -day. Yeah, I was going to say, like, there's that part of, uh, you remember... It's like the Academy lives to serve Darth Scabras, not vice versa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, well, it's similar to, um, it's similar to, um, I think it's Half-Blood Prince, where Harry, like, really needs answers from Dumbledore, and Dumbledore's just nowhere to be seen. Yeah. And you find out later, he's trying to destroy the Horcruxes, and his hand looks like it's been in a chimney stack. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, um... You know, he's like, remember when he's like, look at me! Yeah. Um, you know, there's that, Scabrous is like that, except for if you yelled at Scabrous, he just cut your head off. Um, but there, essentially, there's the academy, and then there's like a spire off to the side, and at the very top of that tower is his lab. And, you know, basically, the whole time in this book, that's just where he is. Yeah. For the most part. And well, um, yeah, yeah, for the, yeah, for the beginning part. Yeah. He's kind of out that's, and about later. Well, I guess what I mean is, that's kind of described how he's been for a right, while as right, he's working right. on these projects. So so removed that, pretty it's, much it's, it's almost legendary to it's see him. Almost mythical for if there's like it would be such an honor for any of the students to even be selected to like interact with Darth Scabrous in person. Right. Yeah. It would be it would be almost as if um, if I told you, dude, I just saw Darth Scabrous. You'd be like, okay, quit you know quit bullcrapping. Yeah. Let's get to work. You know what I mean? Like it was just nobody ever saw him. Um, and so he's making this formula, of course, the Sith, you know, before Plagueis realized that you could just try to manipulate the midichlorians themselves, mm -hmm. it was just keep going, just keep living. Um, and so how can I do that? There's this formula. He discovers the holocron of Darth Dreer. He unlocks it, which is a very unique power to do that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. And so obviously, you know, the Sith don't want their secrets going out to just anyone. So to be powerful enough to unlock the holocron means that you deserve to unlock the holocron that's kind of their mindset on things and uh and so as he's making this formula he's realizing as every ingredient but this orchid mm -hmm. and so he sends out bounty hunters to find this orchid and lo and behold they find one um and it's not on coruscant but there's a, a jedi i wouldn't say it's a temple but it's, it's like, like an observatory yeah it's like a it's like a space station greenhouse yeah yeah and it's interesting because this is the only time that I can think of that they talk specifically about the Jedi, um, some kind of core. I can't remember what it is. Where it Hestizo, she's a part of like the Jedi Green Thumb Core. I yeah, can't remember. The Gardeners, yeah. basically. But you hear about them in um, 
Master and Apprentice, I want to say, that uh, Qui-Gon reflects a lot that he should have just been one of the Jedi Temple Gardeners. Hmm. Because they have their... Yeah, maybe so. That rings a bell. Yeah. Um, so Histizo has this incredible bond yeah. with this orchid, and the bond is so strong that the orchid cannot live if it's separated... Yeah, once it's removed from its... From its mother-in-law. From its mother-in-law. <laughs> it's in a stasis chamber, essentially, and it's in right. perfect conditions. And uh, if it's removed from those perfect conditions, it can't survive without being in a certain proximity of histizo. Uh, <laughs> that's how the... Uh, I forget the guy's name, because it's. I think it's the only book I've listened to that he's read. But that's how he says... The yeah. main characters. So in the name. in the audio book, the flower and the main girl character, the Jedi character that's attached to the flower, they um they communicate telepathically. Mm -hmm. And so it's like Hestizo. Hestizo. They're taking me, Hestizo, help. Hestizo, I'm cold. Yeah. Oh. Uh, no, Mr. Bill. No, Mr. Bill. No. <laughs> so oh, Mr. Bill. um so basically, they take, you know, there's this, uh, there's a bounty hunter named Tulk. Uh, he's or, a whippet. Yeah, he's a whippet. We'll put a picture here. Uh, Very cool species. Uh, one of my favorites. It's uh, Crook. Crook. Yeah. One of the coolest Jedis ever. I'm just saying. He's a whippet. And so, very warthog-looking guys, except for they're like seven feet tall. Um Six and a half feet tall, yeah, maybe. The, well, not all of them. It's the, the bigger ones are like. It's so two strange because yeah, in the book it says it's the biggest whippet she's ever seen. And it was two meters. And it was two meters, which is how much is that? It's like six seven. Pretty tall, but if you look it up, I can't ever get a for sure. You yeah, know, there's not anything they are. legends wise, but right. Just I was curious if it were the only reason we have this on the top of our heads because he's thinking now maybe Krokrok would be bigger than Chewie, but yeah. The low end average of a, of a Wookiee is, is two meters. So. Right, right, right. So um, basically, she's removed, and when um, I can't remember if Histizo tells him or what, but basically, you know, uh, Tolk realizes that he can't. Histizo spills the beans because she's not a warrior. She's usually. not a good fighter. Yeah, she, that, that's not her strong suit. Right. But um, she has an amazing. It's kind of like in Star Wars Rebels, Ezra's not a fantastic fighter at first, but they do a good job of on purpose showing you early in the show that he has an affinity for uh, a connection to animals in the Force. Yeah. Which really screws our boy Thrawn over in the end. Um, and then, and it's not just with this orchid, her, right. her bond. Uh, right. There's a point where there's like a fungus growing in a ship, and her mm -hmm. just being in the ship causes it to like... Grow. Um, yeah. It's weird because... Man, one thing that's really cool about legend stuff is that you have all these other writers over the years who are thinking like because well, it's not just one person's imagination anymore. Yeah, you know what I mean? yeah. It's... So Joe Schreiber just has a fantastic imagination. He really does, and his writing style is very good. And I love his. If you're not a big reader, I would recommend some of Joe's books just because he's the master yeah. of seven-page chapters. Hey, he's writing. Um... Hi, hi, Harry Carey here. He's writing. Um, Joe Schreiber's writing the young adult version of the Mandalorian novel novelization. Oh, wow. And typically I'm like, I will buy the young adult version of things just because I like to have it, mm -hmm. but I'll read the adult novelization. But uh, as soon as Joey Joe comes out with that young adult, I'm, I'm reading it. Um, what the differences will be? Honestly, I think it's just the spacing and stuff like that. 
Or maybe, I mean, he's very descriptive. Yeah. Um, so they're taken away. And like you said, it's kind of weird because um, that whole tangent started because Joe's writing style. It's like the force in Hestizo enhances the plant life around her. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like... Um, it's like that chick from Sky High. It's kind of like, okay, like in the Bible. Come on. Nothing. That, that was good. That was good. I was taking powers a long, plants, bro. It was taking a long time to get in my mind. Uh, it talks about how in the Bible, uh, when when Moses goes up to Mount Sinai and he's up there with the Lord, when he comes out, that he's glowing because he's been in the presence of God. And so his his countenance has changed. And the people of Israel are afraid of him. You know what I'm talking about? Yes. And so it's similar to that where I think... When plants are in her presence, because she has a stronger connection to the force, she also has a strong connection to the plant. So the plant is like siphoning off of her. Yeah. And so it's a cool concept. So she gets kidnapped and uh, in comes her brother, Rojo Trace. And I'm going to read a little passage. I'm going (laughs) to, don't give it away. I'm going to read a little passage from Red Harvest by Joe Schreiber. And you guys tell me what it's from. We'll give you the old Dora of the Explorer five seconds. Okay. Um, so it says uh, he's he has what's called psychometry, mm-hmm. which is when you touch an object, you can see its memories. Correct. Okay. Uh, for reference, it would Quinlan be like Quinlan Vos has Vos. that. Um, Jedi Agricultural Corp. That's what she's a part of. Um, okay. So I'll read. I'll read. Uh, I'll read the lead up to this quote, and then I'll tell you, here it comes, okay? He stopped, frozen, his current locale utterly forgotten, blindsided by a storm of disjointed images, the shaft of a spear dripping with blood, a flash of green, a whiff of something rancid and feral, his nostrils burned with the stench of a place that had been bottled up too long, a place of death and solitude and agonized last breaths. He could feel her confusion and apprehension pumping through his own circulatory system, as if they shared the same heart. For a moment, he could feel the presence of her abductor. Here it comes. Listen to me, Trace told him. I don't know who you are, but I'm in a possession of a very special set of skills. If you bring my sister back right now, unharmed, then I'll let you go. But if you don't, I promise you, I will track you down, I will find you, and I will make you pay. Of course, there was no response. Five. That was my four, favorite part too. Three, two, one. This is a total rip off of Taken. Taken. Ripped off. I was listening to that while I was falling asleep, and I was almost asleep, and then that quote came up, and I was like, Yeah. My eyes just opened. Yeah. I was like, Wait a second. Which is funny because in the book Mall Lockdown, he has a chapter called Mind Eraser, No Chaser. No, that's in this book. Oh, that's in this book. Yeah, in Mall Lockdown, he has a chapter called Mute Math. That's right, that's right. Okay, yeah. So Mind Eraser, No Chaser, like chapter two in here or something like that. It's really early on, which is a, a song by, uh, I can't remember the band. The, the Something Vultures. Um, so, yeah. Anyways, it was just funny because as I was, funny enough, I read this book years and years and years ago, okay? But I totally forgotten about that. And um, not this last Christmas of 2019, but Christmas of 2018, I'm at my house and uh, it's nice and crisp outside. It's probably like, you know, 55, 60 degrees. And um, I was hanging Christmas lights. and The crooked vultures. There you go. The cro- crooked vultures. The cro- crooked vultures. And so I'm hanging up Christmas lights, and uh, because I'm an absolute nerd, I had a Star Wars audiobook in my headphones instead of music, 
And I was like, you know what feels Christmassy? Star Wars Zombies by Joe Schreiber. <laughs> so I'm listening to this book in my headphones. Like I said, I read this during college, but it had been, you know, probably five or six years. And so as I'm listening, I'm just trying to hang up these lights and I'm putting the little clips in the shingles and all that stuff. And it's like, I have a specific set of skills. And I was like, well, that sounds like Taken. And it's like, if you <laughs> if you give her back to me unharmed, I was like, this sounds a lot like Taken. It's like, <laughs> if you don't, I was like, this is a complete ripoff. So it's just funny. The verbiage has changed a little bit. Um, but you know what it is. But it's cool because it's like, I like it more than like an absolute pop culture reference. But like a quote like that is like, you know what it's from. So you appreciate Joe for liking the movie Taken. Yeah. But it still makes sense within the story. So I really appreciate that. Um, but anyways, uh, so Rojo Trace, Jedi Knight, he's uh, found out that his sister's been taken, and so he's chasing after mm -hmm. her and her abductor, which is Tolk, the Whippet bounty hunter. Um, and when you get to this place, basically, once the Orchid gets there, um, the Sith Lord Darth Scabbers realizes, well, we have this freaking girl here, we don't need her, um, but he does need her. And so, I don't know how far ahead we want to go. What's our time? Uh, we're probably like 45 minutes in. Okay, we'll jump ahead. Uh, so basically, he's using the Orchid to, um, he's using the Orchid to create the formula, and it works. Correct. And so, uh, there's these different um, Sith apprentices, and he's like, I can't remember if he calls them to his his room or if he just like abducts them from their own school the own principal is just like i need you he does um, he, he steals them basically and so he's abducting these kids and it's funny because they're sith so they can't be like we're worried about our friend but everybody's really freaked the freak out right and all the teachers are like survival of the fittest whatever is best for the sith order <laughs> like if you got snatched out of your bed that's your fault and so um basically there's all these characters that get turned and Scabras can't figure out how to counterbalance the destructiveness of the virus. Yeah. But they're uh, they're just running loose. They're just getting out. And it's funny because Scabras is just letting the whole school just go to complete crap by the end of this book. And he's like, not until I've had my sandwich. Like he's not he's not concerned about about anything else. He's not concerned about um Trying to fix, you know, fix the school, save the kids. The whole place could burn to the ground if Scabbers figures out how to live forever. He doesn't give a crap. And um, and so, basically, um, by the end of this, there's this really, really ancient um, character called Dialis. And Dialis is a Neti librarian. And if you're watching the video, we'll put a picture here of the Neti. Um, but it's a, a tree-like species. Um, imagine Treebeard from Lord of the Rings. Sounds like orc mischief to me. Yeah. If you still don't get the reference, what are you even doing? That was perfect. Yeah, pretty good. Um, so imagine like a Treebeard character, but they kind of start out like a regular-sized humanoid species, you know, five or six feet tall or whatever. Um, but they have the longevity of a tree. Mm -hmm. And so Dylis is the librarian of the Sith um, Academy. It's really killing me that I don't know where the crap this academy is. I can't remember the, the planet. Um, but uh, he's the librarian, but he's been, they say that he's at least a millennia old. They're like 3.5 meters tall. 
Oh, so they're short to begin. No, they're like 10 feet to yeah, begin with. like 10 or 12 feet. So they start off pretty big, but uh, he's a thousand years old. And so just like trees just, you know, grow and grow and grow, he's basically, in my mind, um, okay, when you, when you walk into a Barnes & Noble and there, you walk past the entrance and there's... Odysseus Faustin. There you go. Thank you. Is the name of the planet. Um... In Barnes & Noble, when you walk, there's always that hub in the middle, which is the information center, you know, the one where nobody's at, and they always tell you to go to the one of the checkouts or the other for information. So it's pretty much useless, but there's always that hub in the middle of the Barnes & Noble. In my mind, when you walk into the Sith Academy um, on Ardacer Faustin and you walk into the library, you have this tree-like character that serves as the entire dais. Yeah. In the middle of the library. Well, and the thing is... And the... his roots and his limbs and stuff have kind of spread throughout the library where it's kind of like, imagine, um, you know, we're sitting in this room, but our arm is down in the office downstairs, but we're completely aware of our surroundings with the end of our hand kind of thing. Mm -hmm. It's weird. It's like his, his mind is also in his limbs. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's kind of like a snake... Um, their tongue isn't for tasting, it's for smelling. Yeah. You know? And he, as far as we know, he's been the librarian at the Sith Academy. Forever. For as long as the Sith Academy has existed. Mm hmm And so he's the one who's actually collected all of the books and right. all of the scrolls and all the whatever. It's very interesting because if he's a thousand years old, you have to imagine that he was around when Darth Dreer was coming up with his idea in the first place. Yeah. And he probably saw the destructive power and wasn't a fan. It's interesting because in the book... He seems very timid. Yeah, I, I was going to say, he seems very... I don't think very... he's a Sith himself. Yeah, I don't think so either. I think he's kind of just stuck there. Which is also a unique position to be in. Right. And so, over the course of the book, um, this virus gets out, and freaking everybody's getting it. And um, by the end of it, Rojo is caught up to his sister. He's found the place. And uh, it comes down to, basically, it's him versus Scabrous in the library... Yeah. And, um... Well, kind of in the library. It's beneath the library. Right, right, right. And so, yeah, there's a there's a ritual mm -hmm. that he's trying to do. So the way that Scabras figures it out is I can take the virus, which he has. He's been exposed to the virus at this point, And he realizes, um... He's also slowing down the spread of the virus. He's got, like, a basically a, a dialysis machine, but for... I guess, yeah, for his blood. Mm -hmm. So he's got fresh supply of blood, and it's constantly cleaning and circulating. Yeah, it's basically blood. like... It's carrying it on. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's kind of like, imagine you have a, a glass of tea, but you don't want the tea to get too strong, so you constantly are putting a couple of drops of water in there to dilute it and to, you know, mix it up. Yeah. And so the fresh blood, it takes a while, like you said, to get infected and for all that. And so he realizes Hestizo has an absolute connection to this orchid and that's what he needs is he needs a, a way for his mind to be able to tell the virus okay that's too far you know what i'm saying and so there's a sith ritual which okay this is going to be gross but whatever it's a story um but he needs to do this ritual he needs to eat Hestizo's heart because if he eats Hestizo's heart one he gets an influx of her midichlorians and two which i know that's not how that works nowadays but the past was a beautiful thing. Uh, so he eats her heart, gets her midichlorians, but he also, her blood, her, her I guess her, midichlorians are midichlorians, but her connection to the Force will be ingested into him, 
and basically the conditions of the ritual yeah right 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 and so his connection to the orchid will be amplified to the place where he can control the virus right and the interesting thing is that the orchid has a separate consciousness even after being absorbed into the solution Mm mm-hmm so yeah, it, it both is and isn't the virus. It's very interesting. Yeah. The, he It amplifies the virus and it really kickstarts it, but it also does not care to be involved. Right. The orchid does not like being used for evil. Um, and so it's like, it's actually really kind of sad whenever he's like basically blending it yeah. into the smoothie that he, you know, is putting into everyone. Uh, it's like The his, mind eraser, no chaser. Yeah, exactly. His t- it's like, Hestizo, it hurts. <laughs> it's really sad. And Hestizo's like... That sucks, bro. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing she can do. She can't really help at all. Yeah. She is such a gardener, she doesn't even carry a lightsaber. Yeah. Not that she's not trained how to fight, but within... It's the, not really a part of her... Yeah, like every other Jedi you see basically has the lightsaber on them at all times. Even our uh, Jocasta knew. Mm-hmm. But not She doesn't just have a lightsaber. She has a lightsaber cannon gun. She's like, I know it's around this library somewhere. <laughs> um... So Scabrous takes the, takes the, whatever, gets the virus inside, and he needs to kill and eat uh, Hestizo's heart to counterbalance the effects of the disease. And before uh, he can, Rojo shows up on the scene, and is kind of interrupting, and he's trying to save his sister. Mm-hmm. And um, the virus is really starting to catch up with Scabrous. Right. And he's at the last dregs. Basically ends up just taking over. Yeah. He can't perform the ritual. The time runs out. And as time runs out... Time's run out. It's over. Blow. Yeah, just like 8 Mile. Uh, that's so funny. And so he becomes mindless at this point, And he really kind of loses, loses his, his personality. It's taken over by the virus. And uh, I can't remember how... But you've listened to it recently. How does it end for Scabrous? So essentially, uh, Rojo delays the ritual enough so that Scabrous can kill him. But by the time he sets his sights on Hestiso, um, he's too far gone. And so instead of fighting a Sith Master with all the skills and knowledge and tactical abilities of a Sith Master, she's now just fighting essentially a mindless zombie mm-hmm. who is only really set on one thing. And being that mindless zombie, he's not really any more or less powerful than any of the other zombies. Right. And she's able to cut pieces. Right. <laughs> you know what I was, I've thought about is if he, like, let's say she trips and falls and he, you know, kills her and eats her. Because mm-hmm. um, it talks about these zombies aren't just like bite you, infect you, and leave. Like they devour. Yeah. There's one zombie that gets decapitated. And it just picks up its own head and throws it at the person that decapitated it and mm-hmm. then infects that person. Yeah, yeah. So it makes me wonder, what if he had eaten her heart just by chance? If no, it, too it, far it, gone? Yeah, it would have been too far gone. That would have been cool, though, huh? It's over. Wow. Um, so by this time, the um, even the tree... The, the, yeah, even the tree's infected. The netty is infected and just pure chaos. But it doesn't really have the desire to eat. It just has the desire to destroy things. Yeah. And so um, Dylis is setting everything on fire. Fuel. 
Yeah, it's really sad. Obviously, this is very nerdy of me, but I was like, no, all those books. The Sacred Jedi text. Um, and so there's a fire in the library, and yeah, it's like, fuel, fuel, and it just... It's just burning the entire library, which I guess is a good thing for the galaxy in the long run. But all these ancient Sith texts are getting burned up. All these, um, they're, they're, they don't feel pain. They don't care if they're being attacked. They don't care. And so that mindset obviously overruns these Sith, you know, acolytes. Mm -hmm. And so the entire place is just turned to crap. And like, probably in the grand scheme of things, like 24 hour period. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty rough. Um... And then this sucks because right as they're getting ready to leave, um, basically, really the most, in my opinion, the most character development in the book is for the Whippet Bounty Hunter Tolk, who is realizing, um, I think, the extreme of being working for the Sith and seeing like what they're doing to people. Yeah. Kind of opens up his and eyes. This is the danger that it put him in personally. Right. It puts him in danger, and I think he realizes because it talks about his family a little bit. Doesn't it? I mean, it talks about him like realizing he wouldn't want uh, either he lost his family or he wanted to get home to his family. I can't remember what it was. I can't remember. But there's that. an eye-opening moment for him relating to I shouldn't be helping these type of people, mm -hmm. and because of that, he he vows to his teaser, I'm going to get you off of here. I'm going to get you off this planet. We're going to get you out of here. Um, and so by the end of the of the book, they're making their way off uh, the Sith Academy, and as they're getting ready to get on the ship. Uh, there's those Tauntauns, which is, uh, if you're just a movie kind of Star Wars fan, in Empire. episode five, there are those snow oh, lizards that get attacked by the snow bear. <laughs> the thing Luke is riding when it's like, meow, meow, meow. And he's like, you smell something, girl? And it's like, <laughs> wampas are so cool. Dude, a zombie wampa would be raw. It'd be pretty wild. Um, but somehow this freaking Tauntaun has been infected. And so he's trying to ride it or trying to get it to do something. No, no, no. The, what happens is there are the Sith princesses that are infected cut open the Tauntauns and are riding inside the bodies of the Tauntauns. Oh, to transport them. Because mm -hmm. the Tauntauns are technically still alive because they've been infected as well. So here they are. Their freaking guts are just hanging out. And they're just... And so, like, when a they get close taxi. enough... Yeah, basically. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's crazy. Crazy taxi! You remember that game? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was fun. Mr. Gaddies. Um, so they're riding inside this Tauntaun, and I guess they kind of just pile out, huh? Once they get to the it's ship? It's kind of like, you know, kangaroo out that mug. Mm-hmm. And so the Tauntaun spits, kind of like a llama... And it gets in Tolk's eye, and I think he kills the Tauntaun. He does, and he well, he doesn't realize that it was there, and it gradually just like drips into his eye. Oh, so it spits at it's him. It's agonizing. Yeah, he's not infected immediately. If he he could have washed it off. And Tolk is my favorite character from this yeah, book, and every time I read or listen to it, I'm like, Tolk, there's some crap in your hair. Get it out. But yeah, it drips into his eye, and as they're leaving, I think he starts to feel the effects take place. Mm -hmm. And um, I remember he's looking around his airlock, which is also kind of like a holding cell. Very cool idea, like you said, to have a, a, an airlock where you keep your prisoners. So if they just really start getting rowdy, you just dump them into space, um, which in Leia's case, they would survive. Um, but basically, he's looking around and yeah, he's looking... 
<laughs> he's looking around, and the airlock is also kind of like his trophy room. Yes. And he's, I don't know, he's having this moment where he's like, well, here goes this. You know what I mean? And so he uh, he can feel the virus spreading, and my boy, my boy Tolk goes out like a hero. He chains himself. Chains himself so that he doesn't To the wall the or floor or whatever, and uh, tells... His diesel. His diesel. He's like, hey, this is... this." This thing's getting me. And she says, let's try to get you an antidote. Let's try to figure it out. And he's like, ain't happening. And he tells her. He can feel it, yeah. I can feel it growing. And he's looking at down at his hands and he goes, you need to jettison me out of here pronto. Because think about it. They're impervious to pain. So, you know. And you've already got somebody who's like such a proficient fighter. He's already a great fighter. He's already got, he's already beat her in a fight. Yeah. And, and she's a Jedi. And are just already in it. Like an absurdly strong right. species, and imagine there's that movie. There's that movie, old old movie Ben Hur. Remember that? Mm -hmm. And they're on a slave ship, and they're basically rowing for the Roman Empire. And you got a guy that's like, don't, 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 and that's how they fast they row. And there's this one moment in that movie where the ship's going down, but all these slaves are chained to their row. And there's this one really gross part where the guy's just rubbing the. He's trying to get the chain off, and you can see his skin like coming off of his leg. Remember that? Yeah. And so it just remind it just kind of shows you like, uh, kind of like 187 hours or whatever it is where the guy just breaks his own freaking hand and gets out of that hole. You know, Tolk would have definitely bitten his own hand off or something to get at his Tizo. So he tells her, "You got to get me out of here." You know, that's kind of a change of heart. And so he's chained to the wall and she jettisons him into space and survives. And I can't remember how, but she finds another orchid. They. It was hatched for, they think they call it the seed brother of the orchid or something like that. Hmm. So, somehow, for 3,645 years, that virus, I mean, eventually I'm sure that the virus, how does that work? Do you think they just stayed freaking, did those characters just, on Odaiser Faustin, do you think they just existed, man, existed for forever? Yeah, you and hear about that, like, uh... Like that techno beast army in uh, Rule of Two. Yeah. You know, they just existed for several thousand years, which mm -hmm. is a little bit different because half of them were inorganic and the organic portions had, you know, died right away. away. But yeah, it's interesting because somehow the virus has to have survived. Yeah. And uh, at some point, I'm assuming Palpatine or some one of his, you know, dark magicians or whatever discover it. And they're getting ready to try to weaponize it. And uh, that's when it's on that barge in the first book, Death Troopers. And there's just like a leak in the can. And the whole freaking ship is just crap. Isn't that always how it goes? Mm-hmm. And so uh, that's Star Wars Zombies for today. Uh, <laughs> we basically just read you a book. Um, but it's a really cool concept because it's, uh, man, it's such a good book. And uh, so it's, you know... It, Samuel says it's a uh, B minus on his grading scale. I would give it a. I'm a strict grader. I though. would give it a B though. I wouldn't give it a B. Uh, maybe a B. Oh, I really like it. It's got cool stuff in it. It's just. I would like say, I said, Path of Destruction is my A plus. That's yeah. my standard. That's pretty, pretty high. As far as Star Wars books go, I'd probably give it a B plus. Personal preference.
Um, but I really like it. And so um, I think, I'm sure you can buy it on Amazon. Um, it was $8 when it came out. So you can probably get it for like five or six bucks on Amazon or use somewhere for less than that. Um, or if you're new to Audible, you can use your first credit for yeah, free. Yeah. And it's, it is a good book, a good listen. Um, and so it's really cool. And it's a different, you see a lot of different sides of star or uh, force abilities and different ideas that you mm -hmm. don't see in today's canon stuff. Um, so feel free to check it out. Uh, but yeah, that's Star Wars Zombies. There's a lot of interesting ideas and that pours kind of into Death Troopers. Um, and maybe we'll revisit that another day. But for now, that's all we've got. So there's really not a point, which is the perfect zombie. Yeah. It's just the spreading of the virus to take over. And they do it successfully. Just fuel. Just fuel. Exactly. Uh, so that's it for us today. We'll see you guys next week. What? Any last thoughts oh. from you? Well, of course, may the force be with you always. And remember, the only family you have here is me. I thought you were going to do the seismic just for I thought about it. Yeah, and I might. There it goes. <laughs> See you guys next week.